episode 121 of Australia's number one marketing show. This time, I have a fireside chat with George Ryan of Hatchwise, who, four years ago, was earning 10 bucks an hour carting wood. Now, he owns and runs a six-figure business and has someone else carting his wood. Welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets to take your marketing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Tim Reid. G'day, everyone, and welcome back to episode 121 of Australia's favourite marketing show. I'm your host, Timbo Reid. You are a motivated small business owner, and we are brought to you by the very, very good folk at Net Registry who help you get your business sorted online. I'm having a bit of a giggle because as I hit record, I hit stop on iTunes and um, I am going to make a confession. I was listening to a little bit of Hall and Oates. I know, I know, I'm living in the 80s. My wife keeps reminding me of the fact I keep trying to explain to my kids just how good the music was in that era, but they don't believe me. But I do love it. I'm a child of the 80s, always will be, do love it, yep. So listening to a bit of a Man Eater by Hall & Oates, what a great song. That really sets me up as being a dag in, in your mind, doesn't it? Oh, well, what can I do? That's me. What's your favourite song? Put it in the show notes. Put it in the comments of the show notes for uh, for this episode. We'd love to hear. We've got to talk more about music. Music can play such a part in a business's marketing strategy. We often, you know, focus on the words and the visuals, but um, we forget that, you know, great brands appeal to all the senses, hey? Ears, smell, sound, touch, all that type of stuff. Um, enough, enough of that. Hall and Oates was where it's at. Now, um, Today's episode, very interesting young entrepreneur fellow out of New York we are about to speak to. Before then, as you know, we are brought to you by the very good folks at Net Registry who probably do have a bit of Hall & Oates playing in their offices from time to time. A bit of Pseudo Echo, maybe, maybe one of my favourite bands of the 80s, bit of Spandau Ballet. Oh, no, I'm not punning a good picture, am I? Enough. Um, Net Registry, I just want to remind you, they've got a magazine, Net Magazine, N-E-T-T, which you get a subscription on, a six-month subscription of when you buy anything from Net Registry, a domain name, hosting, web design, SEO, whatever it is. I just got this month's issue, February 2013's issue, We've got articles, or they've got articles, chasing bad debt, online advertising, how-tos, avoiding bankruptcy how-tos, how to maximise your PR. Um, They've got a cover story on starting your search engine optimization strategy. Um, It's a fantastic magazine. It is an absolutely high-quality magazine. And, in fact, I'm writing an article for it next next month, written an opinion piece, which will appear. But I encourage you to get hold of that magazine by going to netregistry.com.au and um, buying something from them. And you will go and get a subscription to that for free. That is a good thing. Now, let's talk about today's guest. And, by the way, welcome to all you flying soloists from that flying solo community that we love so dearly. Now, listen, today's guest, George Ryan. George approached me via email, which I'm going to share with you now. I add bits and pieces of that email and give you a sense of how he came to getting on the Small Business Big Marketing Show, and then we'll hop into the interview. But he really caught my attention. He says, hey, Timbo, my name is George Ryan. 
big fan of small business, big marketing, and he goes on to list a number of reasons why he is that, why he is a big fan. He also says he has some interesting insights to contribute uh, and would love to be interviewed. Now, by way of a brief introduction, he says, I've started and run several companies in the past few years, with the most recent one being Hatchwise. And this is a company we're going to talk to George about today in this interview. It's an internet-based crowdsourcing community specialising in logo design. And I'm thinking at this point in time, there's a lot of businesses like that, starting with 99designs. But George challenges me on that as to why he entered that space. Hatchwise has grown from nothing to over 13,000 designers that participate regularly, processes thousands of orders a year, and presents clients with an average of 100 designs for an average cost of around $200. We also do not advertise at all. So far, I'm interested. I'm loving it, George. Um, He goes on to say... um, it gives me various reasons why he sh- why I should interview him, and I like this one. A few examples of things I would love to be able to share with your listeners. Number one, tips on starting a business from nothing. Here we go. Four years ago at age 22, I was working full-time, 55 hours a week for a lumberyard, making 10 bucks an hour and providing for my wife and daughter, and had no higher education whatsoever. Hated his job and intentionally set out to start his own business. And four years later, he's got a thriving six-figure business, and on top of Hatchwise, he's uh, on top of all that, Hatchwise has featured in articles twice in some pretty high-profile magazines. I reckon George is crushing it. I love the story of young entrepreneurs having a crack and doing good. We've had a few on in the past. I would, if you if you are one listening and you think you've got a story to tell, hit me up. Tim at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. I would love to hear from you. But let's hear from George and let's get stuck into the details of how George went about doing what he's done. Here's George. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. George Ryan from Hatchwise, entrepreneur extraordinaire. Welcome to Small Business Big Marketing. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Tim. Well, thanks for approaching me in the first place, mate. It's a, it's a, you know, it's great. I love it. You know, I'm always chasing interviews, and um, it's particularly fun when someone from overseas um, approaches to be on the show. Hey, uh, where are you, George? Uh, we're located in New York. Right. Okay. The hub of the hub of the world. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, we're not quite in the city. We're a little more upstate, but. Um uh, you know, we're still got a lot of business going on here. Yeah, yeah, for sure, mate. Hey, listen, um, now, George, a couple of things to cover with you. I think you've got a really interesting story um, about entrepreneurism um, at its most raw from sort of working in that lumberyard, going through to starting a, a business that's now generating a six-figure income for you and your family. So I want to I really explore that. And then I want to get stuck into some, um, you know, how you went about starting Hatchwise and, and, and what was involved in that from a marketing perspective. So why don't you start by sharing your story at the age of 22, wife and daughter, full-time in a lumberyard earning 10 bucks an hour. Okay. Um, well, like you said, I was working at a lumberyard. Um, and, you know, it wasn't the world's worst job, but, you know, it is a lumberyard. <laughs> and I didn't really enjoy it. You know, it wasn't bad work, but I've always liked feeling like I was, um, you know, part of something bigger. I, I like sort of orchestrating things, seeing things happen. And, you know, I was just driving a truck around delivering stuff. 
Um, and it got to a point where I was like, I need to be doing something more than this. And I remember going home to my wife and saying, I'm not enjoying this. I'd like to start my own company. And she said, you know what, if that's what you want to do, I'm behind you on that. And so I, I started working in the evenings and the weekends um, while I was still working at the lumber yard, trying to get something off the ground. Um, took me me about a year, I think, before uh, I got to the point where I was actually able to, you know, start running my business, you know, quit the job at the lumber yard and run the business full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time, I was pretty much glued to the computer trying to figure out a way to make money. So, so let's tell me, that's interesting. So that's just a classic story. It's your almost, you know, it's your cliche um, escape the cubicle story, except you're escaping a, a bulldozer or a chainsaw or something. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, is, is, there, um, is there a history of entrepreneurism, of business ownership in your family? or Because, you know, going from that to what you've done is, is pretty extreme. Uh, my my father, he's um, not an entrepreneur, so to speak, but he's always been good with, you know, coming up with ways to make money, finding, you know, odd jobs and stuff to, um, to you know, or there's a need, he finds a way to fill it. And, um, you know, that, that definitely is something he taught me growing up. Um, but mostly it just, you know, came out of me not liking what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did run a bunch of uh, little smaller businesses when I was a teenager, you know, stuff like catching bait down at the ocean and selling it to the local bait shops <laughs> sort of stuff. So, you know, that was something I had always done. Yeah. Well, one of the great, you know, one of the great uh, business concepts is fish where the fish are. So clearly you're doing that. So, so tell me, um, just tell me about that point where you're at the lumber yard and you're, was there a point where you're going, nah, this is it. I'm racing home. I'm telling my wife I'm out of here. Um, yeah, yeah. they there definitely wasn't. And I think that when I hit that point was, um, you know, for a while you work at a job, you, you get paid hourly, um, you know, you get your paycheck. And then after a while, when you're doing work for someone else and you realize that the work that you're doing is worth far, far more than you're getting paid. And I thought there has to be some way to be a guy that is hiring the person to you're, do the work. You're, and you're being money. paid 10 bucks an hour and you're making someone a hundred bucks an hour. Exactly. Yeah. You know, when you, when you, drive a delivery that's worth $50,000 and you drop it off and then you do the math and you're like, I made $80 delivering that. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's something wrong with this equation. (laughs) Tell me, okay, George. So, um, you've got no higher education. You're racing home at night. You've gone, I'm I'm leaving here. I'm starting my own business. I'm going to make it big. You race home at night. What, what did you start consuming? What information, did you have an idea of what you wanted, what kind of business you wanted to start? Where did you start? Um, I've always had an interest in computers and web design and, you know, graphic design in general. Um, It's something I did when I was a teenager, you know, I was always on the computer. Um, And what I initially started off with, I thought, hey, I'll fix computers. And I had never really fixed a computer before, you know, I'd fooled around, but had never fixed anyone else's. But I thought I'd, you know, I'll figure it out as I go along. (laughs) And uh, so I stuck up a couple flyers at, you know, grocery stores around the area, little bulletin boards they had. um, And I said, I'll fix your computer for $50, any problem, you pay for parts, I'll take it home, you give me 50 bucks if I fix it, if I don't fix it, no cost. Um, and I think I fixed the, you know, two or three computers. And I, I, it wasn't horrible work. But where I actually got to start with that was I was designing business cards for my new computer repair business, and I could not come up with a logo to save my life. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking online, trying to see what, um, 
you know, there was uh, well, options there were as far as logo design went. And that got me really interested in logo design. And it sort of grew over a few years into Hatchwise. Yeah, right. So, okay, in, in, in steps Hatchwise. So you've kind of, as, as so often is the case, you know, a business owner has experienced a problem and gone, you know what, I'm going to find a solution for that. And, that, and, and that's where the business is born out of. Hatchwise is interesting, George, because um, as I was saying to you off the air, you know, okay, well, let's explain Hatchwise. It's a, is it, it's a logo competition site. Is that the best way of summarising it? Uh, yeah, that is the the best way to say it. We crowdsource um, the designs, and you know it's basically run in contest format. You say how much you want to spend on a design. You list uh, your design brief, and the designers will create create um, completed designs for you. And you pick the one you like the most, pay them whatever your budget was, and you get the full rights to the design. Okay, so what what really interests me about your story is that well, you've chosen an industry. That is, it's pretty crowded and it's dominated. Well, certainly out of Australia, it's dominated by 99 designs. And I know there's a whole lot of other logo competition sites. Plus, people can go to Elance. Plus, people can go to Freelancer and Odesk. And, you know, the list goes on. And I, I, I love the courage you've shown in entering such a crowded marketplace. You could argue that crowded marketplaces are good to enter because there's lots of money going around. But, but did you ever at some point go, you know what? It, it, it's too busy. Um, actually, when we launched, we launched, um, you know, 99designs was spun off of uh, SitePoint. They had mm-hmm. it running over on the, the forums there for a while. Um, and we launched about three months after 99designs actually officially launched. Um, and that was only because um, they we'd been in development for a while. So it was definitely, we came in a couple months after uh, CrowdSpring and 99designs. Um, and I did realize, you know, 99designs was going to be big. SitePoint was fairly large yeah, yeah. already when it came out. Um, but I've how, always how, been how did you feel? How did you feel when – so you obviously have been working almost alongside each other, uh, not knowing that both of you were about to launch, and then 99designs comes out. I mean, clearly it wasn't the website it is now. It's, it's, it's quite a – it's a very functional, incredibly useful website. Um, what was that feel? Did you feel like giving up? Um, no, no, it's actually encouraging because if you have competition, I mean, it is competition, but it also means that there's something to compete for. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're starting a, a business and there's absolutely no one else in the field doing it, you know, maybe you're going to be like Groupon or something and you'll actually have a home run with it. Yep. But there's a lot of people that put all the time and money into a project or a company that just doesn't work out because there isn't a market for it. When you have competition, you know that there's something to compete over. Yeah, yeah, fully, fully. So 99 Designs has rolled out. What was the other one you said that rolled out at the same time? Um, CrowdSpring. CrowdSpring. A couple of big ones. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and they both had, I mean, 99 Designs had SitePoint behind it. CrowdSpring had, I think, a couple million dollars in funding. Um, you know, and I had $1,000 that I paid someone to develop the, the script for Hatchwise. Wow. Wow. First launch. So, so would I be right in saying, because I didn't realise that you'd launched so closely to the 99designs launch, um, therefore the idea of a logo competition website, where, where did you get the idea for besides experiencing a problem? Did you yourself come up with the idea of having logo competitions or was it happening elsewhere? Um, actually, I was on a, um, I was a member on a couple of forums. One of them was a domain name forum, you know, discuss domain names. And they had a little sub forum on there where they would hold, you know, design contests for like 10 or $20. 
Um, and that gave me the idea to try and, um, you know, make a business model out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and before I launched, launched Hatchwise for a little while and, and overlapping when I was running Hatchwise, um, I did run a logo design firm that I started online that I've since sold. Yeah, right. And that was uh, that had a very conventional front to it. You know, you get three logo concepts, number of revisions, you know, a set price for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ran it like a logo contest in the back end. Mm-hmm. So I'd actually manage the project. I'd work with the designers and I'd pay the ones whose entries were uh, selected by the client. Um, and, and then and where were you getting those designers from? Um, I got some of them from, uh, they had worked with them on Freelancer before. Um, some of them I were on uh, the domain name mm-hmm. um, forum there. I mean, it, I ended up with maybe six or seven that did a lot of work. I think they were probably working full-time with us mm-hmm. at the time. Okay. Um, so, so, George, Hatchwise, it, it, it's interesting because it, you, you're kind of dealing with the chicken or the egg thing. So when you, it's a bit like a directory, you know, like when you launched Hatchwise, you either needed clients, but you weren't going to get clients if you didn't have designers, and you weren't going to get designers if you didn't have clients wanting logos. So how did you manage that? Um, honestly, that pretty much um, just like took care of itself. I had the emails of, I think it was about 200 designers by that point that I had been working with on the logo design firm I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I sent an email out to them, said, hey, we have a new site we started. Feel free to sign up there. I had a few of them sign up. Um, and then I, uh, I think I did a interview or two on a couple of podcasts when we launched, and it, it pretty much took they're, off from they're there. Pretty good those podcasts. Mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, podcasts are awesome. Yeah, okay. But, um, and it, it happened gradually. You know, it, it wasn't all that much at first, but then it grew, and I think we had uh, seven or eight hundred designers within three or four months, and that was just all word of mouth. That's just people you know, designers telling other designers about it. Yep. Yeah, okay. Back then, I can imagine that community quite easily growing pretty organically, pretty quickly. What about getting clients? You, you, you actually said in your email to me, you've never advertised. The, the advertising's one form of marketing, but how did you, how did you start to get clients? Um, yeah, like I, like I said in the email, you know, it was virtually no advertising. I mean, my caveat there is the word virtually. <laughs> I, I have probably put a couple thousand dollars into advertising over, you know, four or five years. Um, what are we talking, AdWords we, or what? what, what um, I did a little bit on AdWords. I, I can honestly say I've never tracked a dollar of advertising to actually any sales, <laughs> which yeah, is why no one has. I advertised all that much. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did a little bit in AdWords, a um, little bit, you know, like under competitors names because they were doing that yep. with me. And after a while, I you know was just, just going to focus on actually um, building up a reputation with the clients and mm-hmm. asking people what they want from the site and doing our very best to give it to them. Um, when I was running the logo design firm I was talking about, I advertised exclusively with AdWords with that a while back. Um, and I problem with that, if you have low margins and your AdWords cost goes up even, you know, four or 5%, it can put you out of business overnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone else comes in, they bid on you, you know, the keyword that you're buying, you know, your costs go up and you're not making any money all of a sudden. So mm-hmm. my goal with Hatchwise was to start a company that did not rely on advertising, that relied on word of mouth. Uh, I have done that. Okay. You, every time someone on my show mentions word of mouth, I have to say my view is word of mouth isn't a marketing strategy. It's an outcome of great marketing. So clearly, uh, well, outcome of great marketing and particularly 
great product delivery, great service delivery. So in order to get word of mouth, what were you doing? Were you over-delivering? And how, if you if you were, how were you over-delivering? Um, I've always just focused on making sure that, um, you know, the customers are happy. Um, right now, we have a policy instituted a while back where we actually call and speak with customers. Um, most of our customers, once they wrap up a project, say, were you happy with everything? Is there anything we can do to make you happier? Make sure they understand exactly what's going to happen with the artwork once they get it. Um, you know, monitoring projects, making sure they're getting good results, working with the designers to feel that they're, you know, being taken care of, that they're happy with the way the site's being run. Um, you know, just running a company that I would want to be a customer of. The customers, they must fall off their chair. They say, you're calling me? I thought I was dealing with a website. <laughs> we actually, the customers love it. And, um, I, and I think especially in... This day and age when, you know, you do deal with a lot of websites and it's really easy to just think of a website as a static page and, you know, with no face behind it. And you get a call from someone that says, hey, these are the people you've been, you know, designing a logo with for the past 10 days. You know, people really like that. And I think that's it, it is uh, nice. incredibly refreshing because I, I do. I think a lot of I think of a, a lot of business owners who who have an online business almost hide behind the online business and 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 don't reply to emails and don't put their phone number in there. You know, m- make their phone number available and don't call their clients. And um, it's really no excuse. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. Mm. Um, and it is important to actually let them know there's a real person there. You know, it's the same as if we were in your town and you could come in the store and talk to us. Yep. You know, there's no difference there just because it's the internet. George, I want to keep pushing on the marketing, mate. You, you've, you've, so you, you've done minimal advertising. You've provided great customer service. You're delivering a good product. What else have you done to get the, the Hatchwise name out there? You've been on a couple of podcasts, but come on, you know, I'm going to ask you to wrap some numbers around mm-hmm. Hatchwise in a minute, and they're big numbers. So what have you done? Um, one thing that helped us out greatly, um, we'd been growing pretty steadily. Um, we were doing well, and I'm confident we would have uh, you know, been very successful regardless. But one thing that definitely gave us a big boost was um, Inc. Magazine ran a story on uh, logo design contests. Uh. And they went and ran a bunch of projects on uh, different websites, you know, different crowdsourcing companies. And one of them was on Hatchwise. Oh, thank you. And thank you. No idea that was happening. <laughs> and we got a call from Inc. Magazine, and they're like, we just want to let you know you're going to be in the next you know, issue of Inc. Is there, you know, just get the, their information straight? And I was yep. like, what, like Inc. Magazine, like the one I have here on my desk? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, that Inc. Magazine. And, um, you know, so we waited and really weren't sure what it was, uh, you know, going to say about yeah, Hatchwise, yeah. exactly the article was about um and it when it came in the mail we looked through it and what they'd done was they'd done a uh, sort of a taste test of uh four different uh logo design services um one of which was 99 designs and they had examples of the different you know logos they'd gotten from each company and they uh had you know they were like better um you know best yep and you know don't, like, and, and, and don't tell me hatchwise won Hatchwise won. Hatchwise, oh, man, that Hatchwise is gold. Gave them the, yeah, they said Hatchwise gave them the most entries and the most, best quality among the entries. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a really cool experience actually seeing what I'd been working on for a while there, you know, through someone else's eyes. 
as in someone else saying, this is a really cool company. Man, but you, you can't buy that. I mean, what, what's that worth? I mean, Inc. Inc. magazine, for for people who don't know, I guess you'd, you'd compare it, what, to a Fast Company type magazine, a red herring? Well, yeah, yeah I mean, I think Fast Company is um, owned or at least very closely affiliated with Inc. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and I, was, I mean, they have well over a million readers. Wow. It was a, it was a big deal. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, yeah, that, that is absolute gold. And as I say, you can't buy it. Now, that brings me and, – and thankfully, the logos that do, were delivered in Inc. Magazine's Ghost Shop of Hatchwise were great logos. Now, my experience, George, with logo competitions is that it can be a bit of a raffle. Um, and in fact, whilst you may get 80, 100, 120 logos delivered on a competition that cost you, you know, 50, 100, $300, a lot of those logos are crap. Correct. Because it is open to, uh, you know, just about anyone, you are going to get people that, um, you know, submit stuff. They're just starting out. They're figuring it out. And you'll submit stuff that is junk. You know, that, that does happen. Mm-hmm. Those are in every contest. Um, but in my experience, there are always really quality designs. We have designers that consistently win projects again and again, and that's yep. because they're really good at what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that, and, and, and that's well, my experience too. There is always, there's always, you know, and it's a small number, but there's every time I've run a logo competition or outsourced some kind of design, um, there is two, three, four that just save the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and working with the designers, a lot of people make the mistake of uh, just sitting back and watching the designs come in and then, you know, deciding what they want at the end. Um, instead of going on and when you get a logo that's entered that you don't like at all, you know, respectfully telling the designer why you don't like it. Mm. And at Hatchwise, we leave those comments open for all the other designers so they can see what you like, what you don't like. And, you know, people start, they give us a call or, you know, we send us an email after two days and they're like, I don't like anything that's being submitted. Yeah. Uh, we're like, tell the designers why you don't like it. Check back with us once the project ends in eight days, and I promise you, you'll have something you love. It's and ninety-nine like percent of the time, it happens. The communication. Hello. <laughs> you know, it's pretty simple. George, four years ago, you're working in a lumberyard. Four years on, you've got a business called Hatchwise that seems to be rocking it. Can you wrap some numbers around it for us, please? Um, yeah, we have uh, just a uh, little over 13,000 designers registered on the site. Um, we did close the uh, um, the site down to new designers for a while there. Otherwise, the number would be considerably higher um, just because we had a lot of really talented designers. There are the new designers you were talking about that, uh, you know, do bring the quality down a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we focused on just working with our existing designers, getting the quality up. We have opened it up somewhat since. Um, but so that number is about 13,000, had over 600,000, uh, designs submitted to the site. Hmm. Um, I think somewhere uh, around 7,000 projects completed. Um, and again, that's all with virtually no advertising, mostly all word of mouth. Um, I don't keep track of page views like I should for actual visitors to the site. 
Um, I honestly find that distracts yeah. somewhat from actually, you know, like you could be getting billions of page views if you're not getting any orders, you know, what's the, you know, other than telling you you're doing something wrong, yep. <laughs> how does it help? So I focused more on actually getting orders, talking to customers, um, talking to the designers, figuring out what people want and not worrying so much about page views. But uh, um, from the, the tracking code I stuck on the site, I think it's somewhere, we have at least 27 million since we launched. Since um, social. Yeah, sensational. Wrap some numbers around. Wrap some. Can you wrap some dollars around it? I know you don't want to get specific, but but what what are we talking? It's a, it's a six figure a year business. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, it's we've probably done um, at least a couple million dollars in gross sales mm-hmm. since we launched. Um, How but, many staff? You know, I don't have exact numbers for that. Um, I have two employees that work in office um, and not full time with me. Huh. And and what about it? Do you outsource <laughs> besides the designers? Um, <laughs> we do outsource um, somewhat. We outsource, uh, you know, coding projects. And um, if we need anything design related, we generally use Hatchwise. Yeah, yeah. funny <laughs> it's that. Nice having a company that you'd like to use yourself. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, we outsource. Um, you know, coding projects. Um, it, it outsource uh, management of our server. Uh, that was something I did myself for a while, and I had learned the hard way that it's something that I really need a professional yep. <laughs> to manage. Um, that was after I took the site down for three days yeah, last year. you don't want to year. do that when you've got an online business. <laughs> yeah, no, it was not a very good three days there, but no. we made it through it. Um, and, you know, and then we have you know, other stuff like outsourcing to, you know, payroll service and um, um, that stuff. But we do do a lot of... Uh, Outsourcing, you know, the more complicated coding projects. Mm-hmm. George, um, you've got some pretty strong views on on running a small business. You've been doing it now for four years. What, what give us your kind of your top three things? If you were, if you imagine talking to one of the listeners who are uh, either, you know, I know there's a lot of listeners who are still trapped in the cubicle working for the man. I know there's a lot of listeners working for themselves with their own small businesses. What are these strong opinions all about? Um, well, I think we've touched on a few of them, you know, just in our conversation so far. But um, I, I think number one is run a company that you're proud of and a company that you would want to be a customer of. You know, if there's any element to your company that you would not like if you were buying your product or service, then you should change that. Um, you know, that's extremely important to me. I like to be able to, uh, you know, honestly say, I think my company is the best. I don't think there's any reason you should go to any of my competitors. Um, you know, that's, that's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I think that, um, be honest about how large you are. Don't inflate numbers. Don't, you know, try to pretend that you have some massive office in the city. If it's three people in the suburbs, more mm-hmm. like, you know, hatch is right now. Um, you know, especially it, it seemed to be, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, there seemed to be, um, this, uh, push for companies to appear larger than they are. You get, you know, the automated phone systems that make it sound like you have 75 employees. (laughs) Uh, You know, people talking about departments and giving themselves big titles. And especially when you're dealing with small businesses, people like it. People call and they ask how many employees are working there. And I say, I own the company. I've got two people working here with me. And they like that. They like knowing that they're dealing with real people. Yep. You know, especially in the age when, you know, massive companies are getting a bad rap more and more. Yeah. You know, so just be honest. If it's you working out of your garage, tell people it's me working out of my garage. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. 
What do you say to someone, George, who is is thinking of starting a business and they keep coming up against this own their own personal block of, oh, someone's already done that or it's a crowded marketplace or, you know, what do you say to someone? I would tell people um, that if you don't like what you're doing, um, there are other options. You can do stuff. Um, there's a, a lot of people out there that aren't happy with companies or products that they're currently using. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason you can't be helping them out with that. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to, to take the risk to, you know, leave something secure, you know, and actually go and, uh, you know, feel a little insecure for a while, feel like mm-hmm. you're living paycheck to paycheck, you know, it's, it is worth it in the end. Um, but also don't underestimate the, uh, you know, the amount of work that starting a business is, Yep. you know, it, you don't get to go home at the end of the day and kick your feet up and say, I'm done till tomorrow. You know, before I go to bed, I am working. When I wake up, mm-hmm. I am working. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it works. But it is it is worth it in the end, um, I think. Yeah, absolutely, it is. What keeps you up at night, George? Um, there's so many different <laughs> elements to running a business, so many different things to, uh, to worry about, you know, especially when you're, you know, a small company like when I have, you know, and you, you can't afford to have, you know, a lawyer that's on staff. You can't afford to have a team of people managing your servers. You can't afford to have, um, you know, five different programming guys. You mm-hmm. know, you sort of got to do all that yourself mm-hmm. or work with people that are doing it with you. And, you know, you take a lot of responsibility on. It is a lot of responsibility and make sure you're okay with that before you attempt something like starting yeah, yeah. your own business. Yeah, totally. Yeah, great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, George, thanks so much for, for coming on Small Business Big Marketing. Um, I admire what you've done. I think it's a great story, uh, inspirational, and uh, my Hatchwise continue to uh, bloom. Well, thanks so much, Tim. It was great talking to you. Thanks, mate. What about George Ryan, guys? Are you feeling inspired? I certainly am. I do love hearing those kind of stories, you know, 10 bucks an hour, working in a timber yard, providing for wife, young daughter, and now doing great things. I love that. I love the fact that he entered a crowded marketplace. I love the fact that he's just a successful young man and may success continue for him and for you, the small business, big marketing listener. Hey, um, last week's episode, 120 of Small Business, Big Marketing, I interviewed uh, Jason Miles, who is a Pinterest specialist, uh, written a great book on it, is running a business with his wife that relies on Pinterest to send a lot of traffic to their website. I just found it such an interesting interview, and I know many of you did too, um, judged by the amount of sharing and liking and retweeting and all that that has happened with that episode. Subsequently, I, uh, George, George, Jason, Jason very kindly offered to do some consulting to me on how I can optimise the small business big marketing's Pinterest activity, Pinterest strategy. And just in the last week, um, I spent an hour and a half on a on the phone or actually via webinar with Jason so I could record it, record what was happening on the screen uh, and turn it into a video. Goodness me, it was just the most useful training where basically uh, Jason went through the small business, big marketing's Pinterest um, presence, which is pretty basic at the moment, soon to change as a result of the consultation. Um, and basically, 
you know, went through every part of it and said, you know, like, this is what he would do if he was me. And this is what every small business should do if they want to use Pinterest. And I suggest having a listening, listen to 120, episode 120, because that'll convince you that Pinterest is a good thing to add, good strategy to add to your, to your online marketing. Um, but he spent an hour and a half just going through how to optimize your Pinterest and amazing, you know, absolutely amazing. Not that hard. One of the greatest learnings, one of the biggest learnings is that it is a good idea to build your website up from the ground with Pinterest in mind. Now, that's not very helpful if you've already got an existing website, but he does give examples and, and ways, tactics to overcome that. Um, but it is a great way of generating traffic. It is a great way of generating referral links. Uh, and I really encourage you to have a listen to this consult. It's a bit of an over-the-shoulder consult, which is going to be available on my products page shortly and in uh, the in, inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum, which I'm launching in the next couple of weeks. More on that to come. Suffice to say, it's going to be a place where you, the listener, can join me inside a password-protected forum and talk about your marketing and marketing in general in the aim of, like all things in Small Business Big Marketing, growing your business. Um that is going to live inside the forum if you're a forum member, but you're also going to be buying, be able to buy that consult on the on the products page. It was gold, and I intend to do that for other social mediums and other aspects of your marketing that we've all got questions around, whether it be Facebook or Google or webinars or whatever. I'm going to produce really detailed uh, interviews that explain to all of us how to make best use of it in our marketing strategy. Enough from me. Lots of gold coming your way, dripping from the Small Business Big Marketing headquarters ceiling over the coming weeks. Um, Michael Klim, Olympian, going to revisit how his business is going since I last interviewed him in episode six. Can you believe it? Episode six, about three years ago. Uh, he's got a business called Milk, male skincare business, touching base with Mike, with Klimmy, and seeing how that's going. Um Spoke to a wonderful lady, uh, and that interview will be coming up in a couple of weeks' time about charisma and how to use charisma as a marketing strategy. Huh? Who would have thought? And lots more. If you've got someone you think I would be great to interview, send them over. Tim at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Remember, we're brought to you by the good folk at Net Registry who help you get your marketing sorted online. Until next week, may your marketing be the best marketing of any small business in your category ever. Enough. See ya. You've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reid. Want more marketing goodness? Then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com.